jump in this morning. God's got some uh, things for you, and uh, I'm excited about what he's got. We uh, started a, a, a new series last week um, called Identity Theft. See, the enemy doesn't care about you coming in here worshiping. He doesn't care about how much you say you love Jesus. He's all right with all that. What he is afraid of, though, is you finding out you were over there. (laughs) Sorry, that's how my brain works. Something just caught my eye. What he is afraid of, though, is you finding out who you really are. Because he knows the moment you find out who you really are is the moment you realize that you can defeat him at every turn. The moment he knows that you find out who you really are is the moment he knows the chains that you've been wrapped in, you don't have to be wrapped in anymore because you'll shed those things, amen? Amen. And so he is terrified of you finding out who you are. So what what does he try to do? He tries to swoop in. He tries to steal your identity. He tries to convince you that you are something you are not, that you are less than what God has created and intended you to be. Look at this quote I found uh, this week by Brent Curtis and and John Eldridge in a book uh, they wrote called Sacred Romance. He said, who am I really? The answer to that question is found in the answer to another. What is God's heart toward me? Or how do I affect him? Do you know you have an effect on God? I love what Bob, how he opened this morning when he said he is more excited than we are about being here. Because he just wants to be with his children. He wants to be with those whom he has called. And so he says, we need to ask ourselves, how do I affect God? He said, if God is the pursuer, the ageless romancer, the lover, then there has to be a beloved. Mm. One who is pursued. That's you. You're being pursued by God. You're being loved by a father. Um, (laughs) The one who is pursued, and I like the the last part of this quote, this is our role in the story. This is our role in the story. The ones who are pursued, the ones who are being chased, the ones who are being ran down and run over with so much love that all that heaven holds is for you. And so in this sacred romance that we have with God, the word says in Song of Solomon, we're his beloved. We'll have to do a teaching on that sometime. Idris says yes. Go to 1 John chapter what? Four. First John chapter four. I'm reading out the Passion Translation for this one. First John chapter four, verses seven and eight. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another. Because, now here's, here's what we're getting at. Because God is love. God's not trying to love you. He doesn't love... Uh-oh, hang on. Grab your seats real tight. Get, them real, get a, real hold, a real good hold. 
He doesn't even love you because of what Jesus did. He loves you because that's who he is. And because he loves you, he sent his son. He didn't send his son so that he would love you. He sent his son because he did love you. He wasn't trying to get you and fight with you. He said, I love them so much that I will give. Oh, glory. That's who God is. It's not what he's trying to be. It's not what he's, he has to work himself up to love you because you're some worthless, scum-ridden worm. He doesn't work his love up to you. He loves you because you are. Yeah, but I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. That doesn't change what he is. Because of the silly things you do, because of the sin you do, doesn't change his nature. It doesn't change his character. It may change my relationship with him in my eyes, but it doesn't change his relationship to me in his eyes. Oh, come on, get the hold of that. He is love. He doesn't love you because you've been a good little boy or girl. He loves you because that's who he is. And he can't change himself. Remember the word even tells us, he is God and he changes not. So everyone who loves, for God is love. I'm trying to go on, this is the first verse. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. Verse 8. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, and here he says it again. For God is love. Now does that mean he loves you and is going to let you do just the craziness of your life? No, he loves you enough to get you out of the craziness of your life. (laughs) He loves you too much to leave you in the mess you were in or the mess you are in now. Glory to God. Verse 10, same chapter, verse 10. This love, now look at this, he loved us long before we loved him. See, I want you need before you ever really understand who you really are to God, you have to understand that He has loved you from the beginning of time. Why? Because He is love. And He says, and this love, it says, He loved us way before we ever loved Him. When I was out doing unthinkable, 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 yeah, unthinkable. When I was out doing unthinkable things, Kevin, he still loved me. Brent, when you were hard-headed, he still loved you. Wendy does too. (laughs) This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. This relationship is, his, his relationship to us has nothing to do about me. See, if I walk over here to Dee and I just tell her, I don't love you no more, baby. Eventually she's going to say, well, I don't love you either. 
Why? Because in a human relationship, it has to be reciprocated. There's this reciprocal love and we, we go back and forth because you love me, I love you. But the moment somebody stops loving somebody, all of a sudden, yeah. But see, it's not like that with God. He's going to love you whether you reciprocate it back to him or not. Why? Because if he didn't, he'd go against his very nature. Oh, glory to God. See, you have to understand, if you don't understand this, you'll never really walk in the identity God has called you to walk in. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrifice offering to take away our sins. Someone he noticed, someone has noticed, someone has taken the initiative there is nothing we need to do to try to keep up with it because his love for us is not based on what we have done, but is based upon who he is. And if you know that, imagine the freedom you could walk in. This is why the word says we've been set free from sin, that it no longer has a hold on me, that I have walked away and out from under its power because love has set me free. Ah. Go to Song of Solomon. Song of Songs. From the free Bible version, he says, my love is mine and I am the one he desires. King James says, says I am my beloved. Right? If, if you're reading King James out there, he said, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. I, my love is mine. And I am the one he, see, Bob, you couldn't have prayed a better prayer this morning if I told you what to pray. He is so excited to be here with you. He's so excited, why? Because you're his beloved. You're the one he pines for. You're the one he longs for. You're the one that he is in such an intimate relationship with that he would rather be with you. There's one praise song says, you didn't want heaven without us. So you brought heaven down. He didn't want it to be with that. So he made a way to bring heaven, oh, to heaven to us. And because of that, you can rise up from whatever the enemy has done for you and realize you are the beloved of God. You are the chosen. You are the righteous. You are the holy. You are everything that God has pushed himself into creation. Ah, glory. Man, it's just a fun relationship. Yeah, but my relationship's on earth, miss. That's all right. Your father loves you. Our problem is, is we fail to move in confidence with this love. Because we're always sitting back. Yeah, but I remember. Perry, I remember all of those times. We, 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 it's, it's so easy for us to remember those things. Perry and I sat at the table yesterday in the men's breakfast. I think we were talking to Galen. We can remember all the things that we did, all the places we were, the heathens we were, 
How easy that is to remember and how difficult it sometimes it is to remember that I am the beloved of God, that he didn't want heaven without me, so he brought heaven down, that he sent his own son to eradicate, wipe out, and take away sin forever, and I am totally free from that thing, and it doesn't have a hold on me anymore. How quickly we forget who we really are. Go to Proverbs chapter 23. I want to show you, if, you're, if, you're, if we were going to title this, and I did, it's called Knowing You. It's called Knowing You. You ever heard that, right? Or is that just a West Virginia term? I'm from West Virginia, if you couldn't tell, for you all you new folks. Well, knowing you, you're going to do this. Knowing you, you're going to do that. Knowing you, you're going to do something stupid. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 out of modern English, which is what we'll use most. He says, for as he thinks in his heart, King James says, for as a man thinketh, so he is. So as he thinks in his heart, So is he. How you think about yourself will be the outcome of even your actions. Your actions will be determined by how you view yourself. If you don't view yourself as anything other than some lowly, what I say? Scum-ridden worm. (laughs) You know what you're going to do? You're going to eventually act that out. Because you think you have no choice. This is how I am. This is what I was made to be. And so I'm going to act out my behaviors based on what I think. He says, so as he thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, what you really think about yourself is what you really produce. He goes on to say, and so, so is he. He says, eat, drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will identify, your identity is locked inside of the thoughts of yourself. Your identity is locked inside of the thoughts you have of yourself. So what do I have to do? I have to repent. What does repent mean? Y'all have heard me say this long enough. To change your mind. The Greek word is metanoia. It means to change your thought process. So maybe we need to repent of how we see ourselves. Maybe we need to repent of the way that we have viewed ourselves all these years. Well, I can't do this because I'm a this, and I can't do this, and I'm a this. And, you know, I am this way because mom's this way, and I'm, I am this way because my daddy was this way. And, and, and see, you, again, we talked about it last week. Generations started at the cross. It didn't start with your parents. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Anyone is found in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So we're locked inside of this thinking, and we think I'm powerless, or we're thinking I'm a victim. What do you mean I'm a victim? Because this is what mom was, this is what dad was. This is, that's victim mentality. Or we're thinking that this is how it has to be. So today, I just want to look at some key biblical truths about you, okay? And me, we. 
some key biblical truths. And the first one I want to look at today is you were created to be victorious. Amen. You're created to be victorious. You can't be anything else. Your design, it's in your makeup for you to be a victor. It's in your DNA for you to succeed. I didn't say you'll get everything you want because some of what we want is not what we need. And he promises to provide all my needs. Not all my wants. See, you've got to stir up the winner in you. It's time for you to stir up the victor that is in you. Now, we all know in the beginning, when God started creating man... He says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So this, we're going to read that, but I, liked it out, I like it out of the, uh, the message version because I believe it, it tells the, 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 the thoughts, the feeling of what this is. Look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 from the message. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature. So what is human beings? It's the reflection of God's nature. It's the image of God. You ever looked in the mirror and thought, hey, I see God. You should. It's how you were created. So let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible uh, there's responsibilities with comes from looking like God and created in the image of God. I won't go into all that yet. They can be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself. So what is our responsibility? Earth. You imagine if the church really grabbed a hold of this, Steve? If the church really grabbed a hold that the earth is our responsibility. And we actually had the identity process to realize that the earth is our responsibility. Yeah, but the fall. Yeah, but Jesus. The last Adam, the second Adam came to restore everything back that man had lost. The earth is our responsibility, but the church has laid back and turned responsibility over to everybody else. That's why it's in the shape it's in. <laughs> oh, moving on. And every animal that moves on the face of the earth, verse 23, God created human beings. He created them godlike. Well, yeah, if I'm in the image, when my parents created me, I was created Leo-like. That's my dad. And if you've ever seen my dad, you know I am very Leo-like. <laughs> and the older I get, the more Leo-like I become. <laughs> this is all God did. He said, out of my spirit... I breathe life into a mound of clay and dust. We carry the very creative 
breath of God on the inside of us. The very creation that breathes out. The word, the word tells us in Psalms that stars re, are, are flow out of his nostrils. As he breathes, they come out. And he went into a mound of clay and said, humanity will carry the same breath that creates the stars. And he went... Imagine if we would get a hold of our identity. Imagine if we could grasp it. Oh. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. So it's not just the men. I got this many women in here and I got one voice. That's right. <laughs> He breathed inside that man and then he pulled out of that man something that carried man's DNA. That DNA was replicated inside the woman. Uh, she carries everything the man carried because it's, light, it's tied up into the DNA. Oh, I'm going too far. <laughs> Verse 28. Bless them, he did. Prosper and reproduce. Fill the earth with more just like you. Oh, glory. Take charge and be responsible for, for fish in the sea and birds in the air and every living thing that moves on the earth. God placed the responsibility of the earth in man's hand. Now, jump down two verses to verse 31. Verse 31, he says, and God looked over everything he made. Is that part on there? I might not have put it on there. I'll just read it. And God looked over everything he had made and it was good. So very good. Glory to God. And it was morning and it was evening, day six. Amen. So you were created with the responsibility to have dominion on the earth. Well, I don't see that happening in our lives because our identity has been stolen somewhere, Perry. So not only were you created with the ability to have victory in, in the areas of your life, you were also created with something else that other beings don't have. You were given the ability to choose. And this is why we don't see it. This is why we don't see it on the earth. This is why the church is laid back. It's because of our ability and the capacity to choose. We choose another view of ourselves. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Are you with me? You good, Denise? All right. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to till it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day, for in, the, in that day that you eat from it, 
you will surely die. Inside of creation is the ability to choose. Inside of everybody is the ability to choose. He said, here's your choices. And see, we, we won't get into it, but we're going to cover it in just a few minutes. We all know the story. The serpent came, tricked Eve, and said, God didn't really say that. God's holding something back from you. He said, because he don't want you to be like him. Because he knows the moment you eat the tree of good and evil, that you will be like him. The kicker was they already were. They were created in his image. They were created in his likeness. They were created in dominion. But what he sold them was a false identity that they were somehow less than what they were. And he and they chose a false identity of themselves that said somehow you are less than what your creator has made you to be. And they bought that because of their ability to choose. Mankind is the only creature that has this ability. And the earth went through a major transformation, not because of God, but because of man's choice. The earth responded to the choices of man. <laughs> when they took it, everything changed. We can choose how we respond in relationships. We can choose how we respond and everything. Folks, you cannot fail without your consent. And you can't win without your participation. Why? Because the choice is yours. It's how you were created. It's what was put inside of us. It's what God put in us. And we're the only creatures he did this with. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. Y'all okay still? Good. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. See, today... I've set before you life and prosperity and death and disaster. What he set before him? A choice. He set before him a choice. Life and prosperity or death and disaster. Jump to verse 19. I call heaven and earth as to witness against you this day. That means heaven and earth all paying attention to the choices you make. The reality of your life is paying attention to the choice you'll make. He says, and I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you this day. And then he gives them a great encouragement here that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curse. Therefore, choose life. He said, hey, you have the responsibility. It's your choice. Here's what I would do if I was you. I would choose life. He said, therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants will live. See, the choices we make not only affect us in the now, but it affects our future and our, even our children and our grandchildren. 
This is how you were created. This is what God put in you. So you were created to be victorious, have dominion over the earth. You were created with the capacity to choose, choose whatever, however you'd like, it's your choice. Here's something, the next point people don't like. So just look straight ahead and nobody, I won't know I'm talking, I'm hitting you. You were created to take responsibility for your own life. You were created to take responsibility for our own lives. No one else has responsibility for my life. Not my mama, not my daddy. I have responsibility for my own life. These are my choices. No one has it. And people don't like to hear that, that we have our own responsibility. Let's go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. Well, I had this go on, and I had this go on, and I had this go on, and I had this happen. And <laughs> Life is just a series of unfortunate events, and this is why I am the way I am. Because your identity got stolen somewhere. Folks, let me tell you, this is something we have to constantly, on our minds, remember, I have to do it myself. And let me tell you something, Pastor Ted, I don't do it right all the time. There are plenty of days that I don't remember. Listen, I had a week this week like that. Where old parts of me, Galen, was coming out. Sally, it happened this morning. We're just going to be real, right? I don't like this idea we sit up here and we act like I've got it all together or whoever's preaching has got it all together. They got, they got junk too, Dave. <laughs> but it's because we let our identity get stolen, Brent. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord took man and he put him in the garden and he told him to till it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded him, saying, of every tree of the garden... You can freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Whose responsibility was this? Well, God should have never put it in the garden. Come on. How many, anybody ever heard that argument before? But when you are created to be victorious... You were created with the capacity to choose, then you have responsibilities. You have a responsibility to choose life or death. You have a responsibility to, do, to choose blessing or cursing. This responsibility is completely yours. Why? Because God made you this way. He created you to be this person. Genesis chapter 3. Anybody here ever made bad? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> made those bad choices? I have. Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. And he said, I heard your... Now, we know the story, right, leading up to this. Serpent comes down, eats the fruit. The word says that... Eve took the fruit. What did he do? He convinced her that she was not what her, she was less than her creator said. He sold her a false identity. The word says that she turned. See, we have this, we, we, we get this picture that Eve was off playing somewhere and 
enjoying the garden and all of a sudden the serpent shows up and then she runs home and says, Adam, Adam, eat this. But if you read the verses before this, you'll turn that she ate the fruit and turned around and gave to her husband standing there. He was right there. He could have stopped this, but he made a choice. His responsibility was to control and dominate the earth. But he made a choice. I'm convinced that in that moment, he could have been exactly what Jesus became. And redeemed that before it's to happen. Why? The earth was still his responsibility. But what did he do? Sure, baby, give me a bite of that. He made a choice. He took responsibility. And here's what we're going. He said, and so we know the story. All of a sudden their eyes were open. They realized they were naked. When before they were naked and they had no shame. And they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together. Had a lady in this church one time tell me what's odd about them sewing fig leaves together. It was those were the roughest, they were the roughest, itchiest leaves. And so they took something to harm them to try to hide themselves. Sounds a whole lot like me, Ruth. I'll take that which gives me discomfort to try to hide who I really am. He said, I heard your voice. So they hear God come, God come down for his every. Here's the cool thing about this. You realize God still came down to walk with them. He didn't stay up in heaven. Said, hey, I saw what you did. He said, nah, I think I'll just go take a walk with him anyhow. See, because it's always God's desire to walk with man. He says, God came down, he started taking a walk. He said, Adam, where you at? And he finds him over there hiding in the bushes. And here's where the story picks up. He said, and he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Now, get the next verse. It's important. And he said, who sold you a false identity? Who told you you was naked? See, man immediately began to tell himself when he wasn't worthy to stand in God's presence. And so what did he do? He ran to hide from the presence of God because he told himself he wasn't worthy to stand in his presence. Satan didn't tell him he was naked. Come on with me. Satan didn't tell him he was naked. He told himself he was naked. He changed his identity and now all of a sudden his view of himself says, I am not worthy to stand in God's presence. I'll hide behind a bush. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree on which I commanded you not to eat? Now here's the first time we see the blame game. People not taking responsibility for their own actions. The woman you gave me, he blamed God. We think he blamed Eve. He didn't blame Eve. He blamed God. You caused this identity crisis in me. Yeah. 
was the woman you gave me. Still sounds like me, don't it? I'm this way, God, because you made me this way. No, you're believing a false identity about yourself. He made you to be victorious. He made you to have dominion. This is my false belief system. <laughs> the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit and I ate it. You notice he, he, he fails to tell God, I was standing right there too. It's all Eve's fault. See, what's he do? He, he doesn't take... Creation changes because of man's choice and his inability to take responsibility for himself. Verse 13. And the Lord said to the woman... See, now it's in her DNA too. Why? Because of that rib that carries that DNA. Now the very same thing that was in Adam is now in Eve. And the Lord said to the woman, have you, what have you done? She said, the serpent. <laughs> the serpent deceived me and I ate. No, you didn't. You're not taking responsibility of your own choices. Folks, if we're going to win in life, we're going to have to take responsibility for our own life. Quit blaming everybody else. Quit looking for a scapegoat and say, you know what? I'm here because of the choices I made and I can get out of here because of the choices I make. And I am going to take responsibility for my life and I am going to walk as the victor that God created me to be and this life will turn around because this is not how God intended for me to live. You're responsible for your thoughts. I am too, so when I say you, please, I'm not pointing a finger. I've already preached this this week to myself. I'm responsible for my own thoughts. We're responsible for our own attitudes. We're responsible for our own feelings. Well, I'm offended. Then stop. <laughs> That's a hard one, Greg. It's my choice. <laughs> We're responsible for our desires. We're responsible for our goals. We're just responsible for our words. Folks, blaming others, it's a losing strategy. Look what it did for Adam and Eve. I really wonder what the difference would have been if Adam would have looked at God and said, hey, I know I should have controlled this. I know I should have stopped it. I know I should have redeemed it. It's all on me. wonder what God would have done then. We may never know. I'm not, I'm not interjecting anything. But I wonder. Blaming others is a losing strategy. It's irresponsible. And it's not taking responsibility for personal growth. In other words, you're not growing up. <laughs> Galatians chapter 6. Everybody good? Okay. <laughs> Galatians chapter 6, verse 4, from uh, the free Bible version. He says, carefully examine your actions. 
that you can be satisfied with yourself without comparing yourself to anyone else. Not the mama, not the daddy, not the grandpa. Don't compare yourself to anyone. Examine your own actions so that you can be satisfied with yourself. Verse five, we have to take responsibility for ourselves. Why? It's how God created us to be. So real quickly, moving from victim to victor. How do we do this? Moving on from victim to victor, if you can give me a few more minutes. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. First, you want to move from victim to victor, you let this be your deciding verse in your life. I am a conqueror. I am a more than a conqueror. I am more, more than a conqueror means to vanquish beyond all recovery. I am more than a conqueror. I am going to vanquish the enemy in my life beyond his ability to recover. But why doesn't it happen? How's it going to happen? For I am persuaded. The next thing you have to do is you're going to believe you're a conqueror, then you're going to have to get persuaded. Well, there's a difference between cocky and confidence. Not really. You know why we think... <clears throat> you know why we think confident people are cocky? Because we don't have the confidence ourselves. And they're exposing what I believe about myself. And so it's easy for me to then say, that cocky Bob prays a prayer like, who's he think he is? <laughs> well, then maybe I need to work on my prayer life and I'll pray like Bob too. See, we believe cocky people are cocky because we don't have their confidence. Mm. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life Neither angels or principalities nor powers, neither things present nor things to come. He leaves nothing out here, Rachel. Neither height nor depth nor any created thing will be able to separate me from the love of a God who is love. This is why nothing can separate me from his love. Uh, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He said no created thing until you become persuaded of that about yourself, that even you created thing can't separate yourself from his love. You're a created thing too, right? You can't separate yourself from his love either. But I've done this, but I've done that, but I've, see, you're not persuaded yet. That's why we have identity crisis. He stole our identity in here somewhere. That neither depth nor life nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Two more verses. Well, not two more verses. Two more references. 
2 Corinthians. And we're going home, going to lunch, going to do something. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to God who causes me to have a victory every now and then. Well, you know, my life is hard, but I'm telling you, praise God, every now and then I come out on top. That's an identity theft. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. How? In Christ and through us reveals the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. When we stop thinking like a victim and start thinking like God has created us to actually be something. Success and failure are destinations of choice. I'll give some of you time to write that one down or take a picture. Success and failure are destinations of choice. Last one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory Making us conquerors, the Amplified Classic says. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, there it is, children. My beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior <laughs> always being superior excelling doing more than enough in the service of the Lord knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile it's never wasted nor to no purpose the things that you do are not wasted they have a purpose you are a victor you were created to be victorious and there will always come a choice to believe something other than this about yourself and then you have to take responsibility for those choices, as do I. But man, if we would get it, if we would get the Genesis 1 creation of humanity, the Genesis 1 creation of humanity. But you know what we like to do, Perry? We like to focus on Genesis 3. Isn't that sad? We focus more on the failure of them than we do on their original creation. Just like me. I always focus on my failures more than my original creation. Why? Because somewhere my identity got stolen. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are, what you are in our life. Father, help us overcome this identity theft. Help us be and remind us of who we are in you so that we will walk out the victory that you have called us to walk out. We thank you, Father, that we are more than enough. We thank you that we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. I thank you, Father, that we have been called, chosen for such a time as this, and it is a time to bring victory uh, to those around us and we glorify you in it and we thank you for it in Jesus name Amen, Amen.